We're going to take an intentional time up front to pray for something. And uh, I'm actually going to ironically have you stand to pray for that thing, but I'll explain that in a little bit. Um, so if, if you are not aware, um, there's a bill that was passed uh, in New York that passed all the jargon and I think the political language that's going on. Um, the simplified version of it is provides opportunities and space for abortions to take place in the third trimester, meaning a baby could be literally days away from being born and, um, and can be aborted. And uh, in first service, we prayed for this, and we want to take time in the second service as well to pray for it. I want to say some things up front, though, um, just so we're aware. Um, you know, as elders, so this is uh, Tim, Jim, and Vince, and John's not here. He's out of town today. We're going to pray for these things, but we want you to know um, three things that this isn't. Uh, the first thing, do your best to know that you know that you know this. We are not up here going to pray for this as a church and stand together because of politics. This is not a political thing for us. We believe um, that if we're going to stand with the marginalized, if we're going to take time in our service to pray for racial reconciliation, if we're going to take time in our service to continue to process what it means to seek the asylum seekers, if we're going to continue to process to be a church for uh, the other, you can't be for those things and be for abortion. You, you can't be, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, um, yeah, I don't know, I'm going to get off and go on a million different tangents like I did first service. So here, here's the second thing it's not about. This time is not directed towards those of you, the women in the room, who've had an abortion. Um, here's what you need to know. You probably better than anyone else know what that has done to your body and your mind. But here's what you might forget. Jesus' grace is big. You are forgiven. And um, we're not going to pray because like, there's condemnation coming your way. None of that, right? Uh, we believe even the passage we'll read today, you've sat at the feet of Jesus um, and repented of those things, and his grace is big. And so know that, that that's true. And then the last thing uh, that just want you to be aware of what it's not for in the midst of this is, um, you know, in processing this whole thing, there's a lot of things that we could say that we have opinions on about the political part that I brought up, but we're not here to like say, here because we're pro-life, we want to suppress, again in the political arena, suppress women's rights. And, and we, we want to, to remove the ability to choose for a woman. That has nothing to do with any of this. Our, our issue is to take a life of any child, born or unborn, is terrible. To do something like that in the second trimester is evil. To do it in the third trimester, there's not even a category that we have for that. And so it's not about that. It's, it's, it's about us looking and going, there's a thin layer of skin that is separating this little child. And that matters. Jesus sees this child, created that child. Prayer. Um, what's going to happen first is Tim's going to start. And Tim's going to start and lead us in a prayer um, truly um, directed towards the spiritual arena of this whole deal. There is a blindness, if you've engaged in this arena, there's a blindness to people that you feel like you're almost taking crazy pills. You feel like in one moment... Our culture and society admits that it's a child. It's not even that it's a life anymore. They admit that because we have to revolve laws around if there's uh, a murder, a double homicide, if there's vehicles that crash and that person was drunk. Dark spiritual blindness. We feel those things, that demonic force that tends to have a hold of our culture. And so Tim's going to pray for that. Uh, Jim's going to pray for all of the moms involved, um, both pre- and post-abortion, that um, Jesus would use this for his glory, that he would continue to process this uh, with them. He would protect them, uh, that he would lead his people to come alongside those women. He's also going to pray, and this is a hard one for me. He's going to pray, and we believe that he can do this. 
supernaturally, he would protect those babies to not feel pain. The some millions of babies that will be aborted, that somehow in God's goodness, he will, he will protect those little children to not feel pain uh, when they're being aborted. Uh, and then lastly, uh, Vince is going to lead us in a time of uh, prayer for our legislation, that legislation would change uh, in our country, in his common grace, that he would use people that are in place to make sure this heinous act is done away with, and then pray for the church. And this is important because there is a posture we need to take as a church that we can't stand back idly, but also we need to be wise in how we enter into these conversations. And so Vince is going to pray for wisdom for the church as well. And then lastly, I'll close us in prayer uh, with a prayer of, of Maranatha, that Jesus would re- just return, uh, honestly. So we posture ourselves all the time in the church with hands raised. There's kneelers maybe at the church you grew up to where you kneel before the Lord. You, you've maybe gone prostate before the Lord, laying with your face down. These are all ways to um, posture your body to say, Lord, here I am. As a church, we're going to stand up, and here's why. We're going to stand before the Lord together as Redemption Peoria, and we're going to say, Lord, we're here. We're standing in attention, recognizing this isn't okay, and we would ask you to hear our prayer. So if you can stand to your feet, and then Tim's going to lead us, uh, start us off, and then I will close us. Oh, Father, we come before you corporately, Father, just even now with a sense of grief, God, at what's going on in our land. Father, even as this week we saw this being celebrated, I was reminded of your word that says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And yet, Father, in all that, we don't want to direct our disbelief and grief and anger at people, Father. Your Word tells us that our battle is not against flesh. Our battle is not against our neighbors. But our battle is against the forces of spiritual darkness, Father. That our battle is against the enemy, against Satan. Father, against the lies that he perpetrates on the world, Father. God, our prayer is against the deceit, Father, the, the misdirection, Lord, the, the grief that he brings people every day when they call into question who you are. God, we put these things before your feet this morning. Lord, number one, giving us the grace to fight this battle, to not just fight, but let's prevail. Let us prevail against these forces of spiritual darkness, Father. But also, God, the grace and mercy to not blame the people, but to put it at His feet, knowing that You're fully in control, Father. God, thanking You for Your sovereignty, thanking You that there is nothing about this that is a mystery to You, that has not caught You unawares, Father. But God, somehow, this is all part of your plan. And God, as your people, show us, show us, move our hearts to be just a part of your plan of redemption in all this, Father. God, we just lay this at your feet, thanking you for Jesus. Lord, we bring the woman before you. Lord, who have already had an abortion, and we pray as Sean mentioned, that they would understand that Jesus is 
grace is greater than anything in the world. And so, Father, we pray for healing. We pray for, Lord, the ability to walk with you in peace and understanding. Father, we pray for those ladies and gals, Lord, now who are even considering this, that you would bring things into their lives that would stop them, that would cause them to reflect, to remember, to run away. Uh, Father, that you would put people in their paths that who would say a word, uh, uh, just intervene. And so, Lord, we pray. We know that you can do that. And, uh, Lord, we trust that, that, that you will in many lives over the days and weeks ahead. <clears throat> and, Father, we pray for the babies. Lord, I'm reminded of just after Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph had to go to Egypt and Herod realized he had been duped by the wise men that he went in and killed all the young boys who I think were two or three years and younger. So, Father, you have heard the voices of crying in Ramah and, 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 Lord, we pray that now that these little babies, Lord, that you would, in a, ways that we could not even understand, uh, Father, be present with them Father, as these procedures occur, and Lord, that your angels would rally around them, that they would sense your presence in ways that they've never known, and we probably have never known, because you do care deeply for the innocent, and you deeply desire to love them. And Father, I have this image that when they get to heaven, Father, there's rejoicing. In, meet, in, in meeting these young, young babies. So, Father, walk, Lord. I know you want to do it all, but, Lord, those who can be stopped, act, act and care well for these little ones. Yes, God. In Jesus' name. cried this week to pause as we were just impacted by what is transpiring around us. Um, God, we just pray for the legislatures, the lawmakers, the politicians who are in these spaces to impact this trajectory that we're on as a country with our laws, allowing something like this to happen. God, we know that you have intentionally created and placed believers to be in that community of lawmakers, God, and we just pray that you strengthen them and give them wisdom, not to just silently be against something, but to have the strength and the courage to be proactive, um, to impact our laws so that laws can be changed or we can be set on a different trajectory to protect these unborn children, God. We know your heart breaks as well. And more importantly, God, we just pray for our our body of believers as Christians. These moments that endure, that it's used as a wake-up call for us, God. That we can not be blinded to this fact of our culture heading in a direction that is so far removed from what you desire. God, help us as believers to bring hope to these moms and dads who think that there are 
no other way out. Yeah. That there isn't hope. God, we don't have a choice to be the light of this world. It's not something that we try to get to. We, you tell us that we are the light, God. And we just pray for wisdom and discernment to engage proactively in our culture to give them that hope so that they can see Jesus through how we're interacting with people who are contemplating this decision. And be with the medical professionals. There's believers in that community as well that we know you have placed there to educate and comfort and be with the parents and mothers who are contemplating this decision. There are those in this room that we know have probably been directed by a doctor to think about and suggest abortion for some challenges in the pregnancy. And God, only for those believers to have faith in you to carry the baby to term and deliver that baby only to see the miracle that has happened that you've provided. God, we just pray that we can impact our culture to know that you do perform miracles, even in the midst of a non-desirable um, uh, recognition that the baby may have some challenges or special needs. And God, through our church, I just pray that we continue to engage in adoption, that um, those babies do have people that would desperately love to love them and that the mothers and the, the parents are impacted by that and encouraged to deliver the baby. Yes. God, we love you so much. And if this country has ever, at any point in our history, had a desire to do your will, God, we are a ways away from that right now. And we just desperately ask that you lead us back to you, God. We yes. love you. Lord, we uh, know that our five to ten minute prayer here as a church is small in comparison to the activity that's going on. Um, we pray that you'd hear it, though. And uh, as we leave, as, uh, the way that this prayer can continue to echo in our hearts, we would just continue to cry the same cry that our brothers and sisters before us being persecuted by the Jews through the fires of Nero, uh, the persecutions through Europe uh, today, uh, who feel the weight of how broken the world is. We cry together, Jesus, please come back. Please. We feel like it's really hard to hold on to hope, and it feels like it's weighing. It feels like the world is just so terrible, and we just know that this belief is real, this hope that we have, but it it's like we forget sometimes. So in this moment, we pray you'd remind us of Maranatha over and over. Let us cry, Lord Jesus, come. Please, Jesus, return. We don't know why you're waiting. We don't know what's going on. Just know your people in this moment are asking, pleading with you. Please return. Let us see Revelation 20 and 21 come to life. Let us recognize the nations will rally around your glory. That everything we're experiencing in our culture now, uh, it will make sense. We'll see what you've done. But right now it's confusing. So please, Lord Jesus, come. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you guys can remain standing, uh, we're going to read God's word. But as they go over here, I want you to know, um, you might have questions about what we believe and why we took time to do that. Uh, myself and uh, those three there, John's not here again, but we're the elders here. And we'd love to help you navigate what that means. Okay, so uh, we stand for the reading of God's words. God's word. So Kim. Our scripture reading this morning is uh, coming out of Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 36 through 51. And it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, 
when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had been who was touching him, for she is a sinner, and Jesus answered, answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he called the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered. He canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are among many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys can take a seat. Thanks, Kim. Uh, if you're new, I know that's a, 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 a kind of a different way um, to come for the first time. So uh, just know, uh, again, if you have questions about that, you can ask. My name is Sean, actually. Uh, the lead pastor teach us here for Redemption Peoria. And if you are new, just know Redemption Peoria is part of Redemption Church, which is nine or anything like that. And you might have some questions about that. Feel free to ask those questions as well. Again, we'll be by the Connect Us. We can help you navigate any of that. Um, but here's what you need to know if you are new. We are in uh, a series that is uh, called Love, Walk Among, Love Walked Among Us. Uh, and the point of this series, where normally we go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, in a book in the Bible, that's our bread and butter, what we want to go to every time, um, we decided to look at the Gospels and specifically study the person of Jesus. So we're, we're looking at the person of Jesus in the Gospels. And we're doing this um, with the hopes that the way that we view Jesus with our certain bents would be revealed. We want to unearth some of those things, okay? So let me give you an example of this. I'm not a big picture guy. I put pictures up. John is far better at showing videos and pictures and all that stuff. But I want to show you a picture of myself, which is always a good way to start. Um, can you pull up this first picture? So this is my family. Um, about eight years ago, we dressed up as, we always dressed up as a family, obviously dressed up as Mario there. Um, but I need you to see the brown stuff that's laying down on my shoulder um, there. That's hair, okay? Now I need you to know this because I'm going to show you three pictures. This is the first one. You won't believe the story I'm about to tell you, so I need you to see that brown stuff on my shoulder. This really happened, okay? So there's just me. Obviously my kids are super excited to be in the picture. Um, Here's another picture, just so you can believe it. This is a picture of me holding one of my homies that I grew up with, his baby Asa. Corbin's probably three years old there. But as you can see, my banging hair is in a ponytail right there. Now, we all agree it looks legit. There's no doubt about that. Okay? But what I have is I have a t-shirt sleeve because when I play basketball, I cut off the sleeves of my shirt. It's kind of a waste not, want not type of thing. And so I would use that to put up my hair. The last picture, I look like Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Um, 
And so this picture is important. This is, uh, I was at the, it was the heart, it was during the Harder's wedding, uh, Brandon Patrice's wedding. And um, you could see there, so this is a good picture. So I got a bigger nose, FYI, if you haven't already noticed. Um, I, I got a long brown hair and I'm a white guy, okay? Now, at the time when I had this really long hair, and I got even a little bit longer, um, I was at a very conservative white uh, Pentecostal church. Now in this Pentecostal church, we love to do skits and we love to do dramas and whatever it is. And so, um, this, you know, we'd come up and every Easter I was being crucified as Jesus. Cause you look at the picture and you see white Jesus. That's what you see. And so there I am. And so I'm being crucified at Easter. Uh, we're doing, you know, uh, Christmas time, like what Mary would see. Did you know? And then she's looking at me, I'm Jesus. Um, so uh, one year during vacation Bible school, the children's director asked if I would play Jesus, which is a pretty common occurrence. Of course, look at me. Um, and so here I am standing there. She says, I just need you to go on and you're going to stand there. And I just want to talk about Jesus real quick. And I'd done it so often. I didn't think twice about it. I was like, that's fine. So, you know, she gets up and she starts talking. This is Jesus. And he died for us. And it's a normal, like, cool, cool, cool. Well, she starts to kind of turn this corner, right? And she's like, so Jesus is here and, and he died for you. And, and you, where are we going? Where are we going? Okay. And she's over here. And then she's like, like when you were disobedient to your mommy and you're disobedient to your daddy or you're mean to your, that killed Jesus, that killed Jesus. And I was like, okay, okay, this is weird. Where are we going with this? Now in this moment, I kind of want to just bounce, right? But if I leave, Jesus is leaving. So I have to stay. Well, then it only gets worse because then she says, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to line up and we're going to go to Jesus and ask forgiveness for the sins we committed against him. Okay. Now, is this a spiritual Jesus or am I, I, I'm staying here. Okay. And so they get in a line and they come up. I'm sorry, Jesus. I, I murdered you because I was mean to my mommy. And I'm just like, is, is this okay? I don't know. It's okay, Sarah. It's okay. Right. And I'm like, don't strike me down. I don't know what to do right now. Okay, so they go through this line, and when we started this um, Love Walked Among Us, I thought of that example because I remember walking away thinking to myself, I don't want to be in this situation. I'm Jesus, and I don't want to be in this situation. And it's, it's crazy because all too often I feel like what we're doing with our bents, political bents, emotional bents, the way we're wired, is we're putting Jesus in these rooms, and it feels like sometimes Jesus is going, I don't like how I'm being painted right now. I'm not comfortable with this, right? There's this strong Republican Jesus, this social justice Jesus, whatever it is. And it feels like we have used our knee-jerk reactions, our biases, to paint Jesus the way that we want. And the only way we can push against those idols is to look at the text clearly and go, that's not how Jesus acts. That's how Jesus acts. Uh, That's not how Jesus, that's how Jesus acts. And so what we're doing is we're going through over and over and saying, this is what we see. This is how, and so we looked at the widow of Nain. We looked at the blind man last week uh, that we saw this morning. We're going to look at a woman who is uh, a, a sinner in, in this whole interaction. And all these stories are very familiar. The hope would be that we unearth uh, Jesus' personality, his mannerisms, what we see him do, how he interacts with people, uh, and then also teach the text at the same time. So Luke chapter 7, let's get at it. Verse 36, I'm going to kind of fly through the text, and, and then we're going to begin to unpack some things. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. 
And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. If you're not familiar with the context, this is talking about Jesus, him being Jesus. We actually dealt with the widow of Nain earlier on in this chapter. So Jesus has been doing a lot of ministry. But what I want you to see from the jump as we get this interaction, Jesus is invited to this Pharisee's house, who we'll find out his name is Simon. He's at this Pharisee's house reclining at table. Now, if that could be um, passed by real quickly, but I just need you to hear what just happened. What we know of the narrative of Jesus is that the Pharisees don't like him. I mean, to the point of they're constantly investigating, constantly trying to find reasons to put him down, eventually putting this coup together to kill him. And Jesus is moving towards them. I mean, we know how intimate even a meal can be amongst friends in our own culture. Times a hundred in this first century culture, this honestly is like counter, but Jesus is moving towards eating with the people who hate him. This would be Trevor Noah and Hannity having dinner together, right? You're like, what's this going to be like? And Jesus has moved towards those who dislike him. That's an important part, even just by way of abortion, right? Like we don't look at those who are uh, pro-abortion, uh, pro-choice, and we begin to, to just destroy them, right? We move towards them, maybe have a meal with them, right? This is the beauty of what Christ is doing. Verse 37 And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So this is, uh, we'll get into the ointment and all that, but I want you to see, as you look at the beginning of 37 here, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, okay? Um, She's described in this moment as a sinner. Not only that, I want you to look at verse 36 again. The descriptive words of, and he went into the Pharisee's house, And then again in verse 37, as if Luke is doubling down. So here's why this is important. She is a sinner to the point that we could understand the language that's used. The tone would be like she's either a prostitute or some type. She's committed adultery multiple times. I've entered into a a Pharisee's house. If you were just a Jew alone and you saw this woman walking down the street, you would walk on the other side. A Pharisee would not have a woman in in his house like this. She is, in a word, uninvited. She is Get out, why are, you, why are you here? Now, I need you to understand the weight of this situation. It's not that she's just like, you and I are a sinner, it is what it is. But honestly, Simon has a little bit of clout to the direction he's going. I mean, if you think, imagine a woman in our own congregation. She's going around, women, just women, those of you who are married, she's going around and she's sleeping with all of the husbands. She just goes around, she continues to sleep, right? You even as, el- you would come to us as elders and you'd go, we need to be careful of her. Like you, you, even in wisdom, I think that would be, be smart. This is, she's known for this activity. Simon knows this. The Pharisee knows this. She enters in, and this is what it said about her. Again, knows Jesus reclining at table, brought an alabaster flask uh, of ointment. So there's lots of speculation as to what this looks like. Some of your translations even say alabaster jar. Here's what I can tell you. In Greek, it just says alabaster. She just brought alabaster. And um, it could be a small little thimble that they would carry. Uh, Paul Miller points out that tradition would say that uh, women in this class, specifically like high-end escorts, would carry this type of uh, uh, perfume uh, around their, their uh, necks. And it could be the size of a flask or, or some type of ointment near them so that they would smell good. And because of the men they're with, the men, showering is not common, so they probably don't smell good. And so there's intentionality as to how much it is and how much it was worth. We can speculate, but we don't know for sure. But we know this woman takes this flask and, and puts it down. Now, again, the picture, the, the, the context is... Pharisee's house, Jesus reclining at table, woman enters, and it's terribly, terribly awkward. Again, she is 
vile within this culture. She is terrible. Spurgeon says it like this. I think he nails this. This woman was so distinguished by the title of a sinner, and her touch was so regarded by Simon the Pharisee as uh, her occupation and probably her livelihood. The name in her case had an emphatic sense which involved shame and dishonor of the worst kind. I love this line by Spurgeon. The city streets wherein she dwelt could have told you how well she deserved her name. Like, she's got a rep. If the cities can talk, yeah, I've seen her with him. I've seen her with him. She's bad. She enters in with this ointments. Jesus is sitting down with the Pharisees eating. And it says this, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So um, just contextually, just so you kind of understand, there's a table. They're sitting down. I did it in first service. So I'll try to do it in second service. But the way they're sitting down is they're sitting down like, like with their feet behind them for multiple reasons. But your feet are probably messy and gross. Nobody wants their feet at the table. They can't sit like Indian style because they got like cloaks on and stuff like that. So, so they're sitting here like this. Their feet are behind them. And this is why the text says, take a couple minutes to get up here. Um, the text, that's why the text says in here that she comes from behind him, right? That's, it's easier as they're great. She comes behind and she begins to anoint. Again, the, the language here is um, standing behind him with the feet, weeping. She begins to uh, wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. So this is, woman walks in. Everyone's looking at her. She begins to weep. She's weeping over her sins, what's going on. She's clearly repentant of something. Using the tears, there's so many tears that wets Jesus' feet, washes, uses the ointment, anoints uh, Jesus' feet. Just the awkwardness of what's going on. But what I need you to hear real quick is two things that are not happening. Number one, if this happened to a Pharisee, if if she came to Simon, he would pull away. Not a chance are you touching Simon. But here's the second thing. Jesus accepts it. He doesn't move away. He accepts what's going on, which is important to the narrative. Let's keep going. Now, when the fair sort of woman, this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So if you have been familiar with the narrative that we've been in, they're constantly looking. And one of the questions on the table is, is Jesus a prophet? Well, Simon is able to find out in this moment. It's simple. If he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she was. And we could know that he's not a prophet because she's touching him. And if he was a prophet, she wouldn't be touching him. He, even in this moment, is investigating Jesus. So now we begin to see this take a little bit of color. It's not just the interaction, and this is what's been lost on this text. It's not just the interaction that Jesus has with this woman and this woman has with Jesus. But notice how terrible it would be for you to be invited to someone's house and them constantly looking for ways to trap you. Like, it's just rude. And Jesus is invited in this context, and he's investigating, and he begins to make declarations about Jesus. He's clearly not a prophet. Now, Jesus, don't mess around with that, because this is what he says. And Jesus said to, uh, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Verse 43, Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. This right here is our tone setter. What, what happens here is Jesus is talking to Simon. Simon's judging Jesus. And, and, and Jesus begins to flip this around and he goes, let me ask you a question. Let's say there's two people who own debt. I don't think the importance of the debt here, it's roughly $2,000 to so about 
uh, uh, $50, $500, depending on where, where you're at. But I don't think that it's important. Just imagine there's two people. Somebody owes this person a lot of money. Somebody owes this person a little money. He forgives both people. It's simple logic. Who, who's going to be more grateful? Well, the person who's been forgiven a lot of money. And, and, and Jesus, what he's doing is, he's going to begin to turn. Now, we already know what Jesus is doing because we have hindsight. We've read this text before. He's going to begin to equate this larger debt to this woman, right? He's going to look at her. She's loving a lot, as we're going to find out, because of this larger debt. And Simon answers rightly. He goes, well, of course, the person who has the larger debt. Now, this is where Jesus just is a baller. Verse 44. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil and she has anointed my feet with ointment. Okay, look at verse 44. This is beautiful. It says this, then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, okay, Jesus is going to do something really amazing here. So we have a lectern here. It's been here for months. We've, uh, since we've been at Centennial, this thing has been here. You've seen this. You know this thing is here. But as I'm talking to you, if I go, look at this lectern real quick. What am I doing? In this moment, I'm turning all of our attention to the lectern, which Simon probably is already looking at this woman. But I'm, I'm calling us, as I'm looking at this lectern, still talking to you, because I'm, I'm looking at the lectern in such a way to point out things that you didn't see before. Do you see that? I, I, I am in this moment still in conversation, but now I'm turning away. I'm drawing attention to the lectern. What Jesus is doing, something that he's not seeing. This is why the language, listen to it again. Uh, 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 then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? He's, his body is mirroring what he's trying to show Simon. It's crazy because this is, um, he knows he sees Simon, but he's going and he's looking at Simon and he's going, Simon, you see her, but you don't see her. You see what you want to see because of your self-righteousness. Since I've walked in, you've only been a jerk to me. You didn't anoint my head with oil. You, you didn't wash my feet. Here's this woman over and over and over showing us something that you're not seeing because of your self-righteousness. Jesus, in his beauty, uses the judgment of Simon to teach Simon. He didn't judge the woman. Do you see that? Let me say that again. He judges Simon for judging him because he wasn't judging the woman. Now, um, all the disrespect that's going on is worth noting as well. Because he's disrespecting this woman, but he's also, Jesus points out, that he's also had, has been disrespecting Jesus. Paul Miller actually comments on this when he says this, A well-known rabbi such as Jesus was to be greeted with a kiss, oil on the head, and foot washing. The neglect of these was the equivalent of a public put-down. Or a slap in the face. It would be like inviting someone over for dinner and telling them to clean your bathroom. Simon's greeting of Jesus is uh, re reprehensible in ancient Near Eastern culture. So, so here's Jesus is unearthing the people who hate him. Unearthing these, these judgmental idols and trying to even show them something. Paul Miller has a, um, a great comment on this in his book where he talks about you know, Luke is going around, according to Luke 1, and getting all these uh, accounts. And the only way, he argues, I don't know if it's for sure true, but the only way we could have this account is if Simon would have told it. And so it's almost like Simon learned in this moment. Jesus, judging Simon for judging him, for not judging this woman, begins to see, because of my self-righteousness, I'm not seeing this repentant heart. I'm not seeing this weeping for what it is. I, I'm missing it. 
So let's stop there because um, before we read the next part of the text, something we've been trying to do is like recognize that Jesus is doing a million different things that we don't know that he's ultimately doing. Um, and let's just, so for, for context here, let's just go through real quickly. I just wrote some notes here as to what exactly we've learned from the story so far. So I'm just going to read it so I can stay on par here from Simon's perspective with this woman. Simon is judging her. He feels superior to her. It's not stated, but you can tell through the language. I would argue he focuses on her past. He has an inability to see her and what's going on. She's repenting and he can't see it. He can't see her because of his view of himself as too exalted. There's self-righteousness built in. That's Simon dealing with this woman. Now, just so again, we're on the same page. This is Jesus interacting with this woman. He empowers the woman by honoring her in front of Simon. He defends her. He lets her love him and, and loves her in return. Let's her invade his private space. This is a very awkward moment, I think, for any of us. Uh, one of the rabbis that I was reading uh, said that the equivalent of a woman letting down her hair in this context should only be done in the presence of her husband. It would be like her showing her breasts. Like, what she's doing is, into how she's expressed love, right? And so she's doing her best, and Jesus is looking past all these cultural narratives, what could be seen as lust, and he's seeing her repentant heart, which is beautiful, okay? So he lets her invi- invade the private space. He turns towards her, implying that he looks at her, and he focuses, this is important, he focuses on her present state of repentance and blesses her future. Where Simon sees her as down, 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 Jesus uplifts this woman in front of him. So here's one of the things that I think is important. Um, what I have found as an adult, a few things. One, it's really hard to make friends as an adult. It just is. It's weird. I don't like it, okay? But in making friends uh, with people, what I have found is a lot of things haven't changed since junior high, if I'm being honest with you. When I talk with people, um, you get some of the same stories of backbiting and gossip, and there's a people group, and there's cliques in the workplaces, in neighborhoods, whatever it is, friend groups, all this stuff. And you just feel like the same narrative that was in junior high is almost true now. And it's in different ways, but here's what we knew in junior high, which would almost be true for us now. In junior high, when you hung out with the nerdy kid, you would be equated with the nerds, right? And I don't even know who's nerdy anymore. It seems like the nerds are cool. I have no idea. They're making millions of dollars playing Fortnite. I don't know what's going on. But here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. Um, to equate yourself with someone or to associate with your, yourself with someone, right, is to take on their reputation. Jesus, the word of the day here is, associates himself with this woman. Notice that the judgment from Simon, goes from her now to Jesus because he is not acting in a certain way based on her past. Jesus should act this way because this is who she is. And so the judgment of this is what we know about this woman comes to Jesus. This is what we know about Jesus. He associates ultimately at the end of his life for this woman. He will enter into her brokenness. He will take on her sin. He will be punished for her transgressions. He enters into her shame, all the while showing Simon, this is how we do this. So uh, to close us, here's what I would say. Um, I've been trying to finish looking at these person of Jesus studies as to ask the question at the end, what do we do in our soul with this thing? And then when we leave here, what do we do with this information? If Jesus is taking on the shame of the lowly, if he's entering into the brokenness, if he's continuing to show those who are his enemies uh, based on this repentant heart, this woman, he's continuing to to, to show this in a beautiful way, what do we do with this? And it was hard uh, to do this. So I'm going to do it by explaining um, all three characters and how we ultimately 
are called and have um, related to all three of these characters. The woman, Simon, and Jesus. First, the woman. Here's what I want to say. I think what this woman is doing right now makes the believer's heart palpitate. I think there's everyone in the room who follows Jesus, truly follows Jesus, sees what this woman is doing and goes, yep, I remember that. I remember that. No, I didn't enter into a Pharisee's house. No, I didn't literally go to the feet of Jesus. But I remember when I saw who I was, when I saw what I've done, and I just broke. The the believer's heart palpitates a little bit when they read this story. And you almost might feel, man, did she just get up and start singing? Because I feel like that's all I could do. Like all I could do was worship. Here's what I want to encourage you. As a believer, don't let that go. Remember that Jesus entered into your shame. He took on your reputation. Hold fast to that. What happens as believers, we forget that we were the sinful woman. We forget who we were. We walk on a little bit of pride, and we forget an olive today at lunch can kill us. Choke us out. Done. We forget how Jesus. And so I want to remind us, based on this study, as we look at the person of Jesus, he accepts that. And there are some of you who go, I am a sinner by trade. And I just want to say, hear the words of Spurgeon beautiful. Listen to this. Our Lord allowed her to wash his feet with her tears, but he knew well what those eyes had looked upon. When he allowed those lips to kiss his feet, he knew right well what language those lips had used in years gone by. And when he allowed her to show her love to him, he knew how foul her heart had been with every unhallowed desire. Her evil imaginations and unchastened desires Her wanton words and shameless acts were all before the Savior's mind far more vividly than they were before her own. For she had forgotten much. Listen, but he knew all. She was a sinner, a well-known sinner, and known best of all to the Savior to be such. Yet glory be to divine grace. She was not cast out when she came to Jesus. But she obtained mercy, you ready for this? And is now shining in heaven as a bright and special star to the glory of the love of Christ. I get it, you think you're far. I get it. He welcomes you. He welcomes you. Ain't no Simons here. You're welcome. Unfortunately, um, as I say, there are no Simons here. All too often, most of us act like Simon. We, from afar and from a distance, uh, create the narrative based on what we believe about this person. We know how it is, and we begin to interact in such a way, and we judge. But here's the beauty of what you need to know what goes on with Simon. Um, Jesus interacts with Simon the same way that he interacts with you and I. You're going to leave here, and you're not going to naturally look towards the broken. You're not going to naturally look towards this. Every time I'm, I'm, I'm rude to my wife, every time I, I push someone aside, or I get angry, or I don't see someone, Jesus says the same words to me as he says to Simon. It's these words. Listen, do you see her? Do you see them? And in that moment of frustration, I look and I go, I see them, Lord. He directs our gaze back to the humanity that exists in the Omago day. And so we turn our eyes the same way that Jesus calls us to because naturally we're too much like Simon. Which leads us to the last thing. And that is, Jesus in all of this has called us as we were this woman. 
Um, he calls us away from being Simon and he calls us to act like himself in that, um, we recognize in second Corinthians, uh, chapter one from the jump of the book, it says this, you have been comforted so that you would comfort others. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we're told that you receive mercy so that you may proclaim the excellencies of his grace. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you are a minister of reconciliation. That you have received this grace for it not to end on you. And that you would understand forgiveness to be a conduit towards those who are seeking forgiveness. That we would be that type of people. We would love like Jesus loves. God help us. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thank you for who you are. Thanks for your goodness and your grace towards us. This morning, we're reminded of so many pieces of Luke chapter 7 that we can relate to. And so the pieces in which we need to receive mercy and grace, we, um, we see the beauty of, of the text and we, we, we point out the fact that we have been forgiven and um, that's good news for us. Uh, I, I pray, God, that you would continue to reveal the hearts of all of us in the room who tend to act like Simon and that we would uh, shy away from that and that we'd ultimately act like Christ. Jesus, we need to look like you and it's not something we can do in our own power. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.